Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest is a chief information technology officer known for his impactful work in the medical industry where he combines the precision of technology and the compassion of healthcare. He's a University of Texas alumni and a guiding mentor at South by Southwest in Austin. He brings a unique blend of expertise in enterprise software and healthcare consulting. Please welcome Merced Gonzalez. As always, thank you for your time today, Merced. Really great having you on the show. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me, Javier. Appreciate it and uh, yeah. look forward uh, to talking to you. Thanks for thinking of me. Absolutely. Appreciate your time for sure. So, so let's, get, let's get started with an important stat. Uh, clinical wellness through automation. A, a survey by Mayo Clinic Proceedings found that 54.4% of physicians reported feeling burnout. Automation and administrative tasks could alleviate this burden for instance, an, an AMA study highlighting, uh, highlighted that physicians spend 49% of their time on EHR and desk work. Merced, in your experience and you know, your expertise, have you observed any measurable changes in the well-being of job satisfaction of cl clinicians after the introduction of automation in administrative tasks, so to speak? God, I think uh, what you're saying there... Um... I think we've come a long way in it, but man, I believe we have a long way to go still. Um, COVID really shed a light on a lot of that when not only our physicians um, had to be in hospital environments and at times you know, had really long schedules and shortage of other providers, but then they were supposed to document everything that they are doing and so doubling their time away from their families and their homes. And so for us, um, when we started H&I as a company, um, we really started off H&I as a, we wanted to be a technology company. That's, that was our focus. Let's build technology around what an inpatient doctor does or a in our world, what a hospitalist is. And, um, and so it started off like, well, what are the things they're doing every day? And we saw that they were going to uh, the nursing stations, printing up censuses, um, identifying where their patients were at. They were going around and they were looking for their patients. And so we started building technology to kind of, you know, let's, let's help them with their workflow. Um, and let's tell them where those patients are on these little handy devices you have on your, in your hand, you know, or your iPads and walk around and give them all this meaningful information. Um, it started off as, hey, let's, let's really, kind of, this will really improve their lives. And then it ended up being, we're adding more information for them to, they need to give us more information about every one of these patients. And so it kind of became a thing where, you know, help me help you kind of a thing. Tell me what it is that you need. And, and um, what can I take off and what can I automate? And so we really started to learn about what it is our doctors were doing, what types of things in the document, documentation process could we um, take off the plate for them? Um, could we get them, you know, save them the time having to go to nursing stations and printing up things and writing notes on a, a sheet of paper, handing it to, 
to a biller or, or somebody who is going to document everything for them. Um, obviously, the goal in all of it is so that they they went to school to be a doctor. They want to help people. They don't want to be on their computer, you know, doing these things. And so, for me as a tech person, it's been really difficult because I. I want to build technology. I want to get it into their hands. I want to improve them. At the same time, they're the ones who are saying, hey, I'm, I've got too much tech and it adds to my day. And so finding a balance of, of, of uh, providing them tools that are really beneficial for them, um, that's beneficial for the patient, and then for us, it ended up being, what can we do to quantify that? How can I show to the provider that what they're doing um, by using these tools and these technologies, how is it improving their day-to-day -day documentation? And how is it making a difference in some of the hospitals that we are providing services in? I mean, in some of the hospitals, it was a matter of keeping the hospital open in a community that's underserved. Um, and so, so I think to answer your question, well, I've just kind of gone all over the place there, but I think to answer your question is, it's a lot has to deal with good communication, understanding um, what it is the provider needs. Tell me what it is that you need. Um, explaining to the, to the doctor um, the benefits of using this technology and how it can help them in their day-to-day, -day, how I can show the value that they are providing to the hospital that they're serving, and then ultimately to the patient. Um, and the goal, obviously, is to get the patient well. Let's get them home. Let's get them back to, to normal life um, and do it as efficiently and cost-effectively as possible um, for everyone involved, you know, the provider and his time, the hospital and its resources, and the patient. Get them home. Yeah. Yeah, get them get them well so yeah, when, that's when, a that's a tough job yeah yeah and when you're talking you know this, this hits home for me a lot of things are coming up and i'm going to try not to go on too many tangents here but <laughs> but uh you know i was I, I studied medicine in school right like so um you know i i've done a lot of research in medicine and been trained a lot in emergency medicine served as emergency medicine i've served in ers i've served in ambulances all this kind of stuff and i've I've, uh, you know, so I know a lot of information about the healthcare industry, the medical industry, the food industry, the pharma industry. And when I was going through school and going through my education, getting trained in, in medicine, you know, I was like, I, I don't like to type. I don't want to learn how to type. And so I was like, you know, as doctors, they don't need to type. They just use this software and they talk into it. But it wasn't as good as, you know, it's getting way better now. But back then, you know, I struggled a lot because I didn't learn how to type and it did, the technology just didn't advance as much. You know, I had the Dragon software, I had all this stuff, but it just wasn't as good back then. So I, I went through a lot of pain because I never, I didn't like, I didn't think I was going to need to know how to type. Right. So it, it, it brings that up, but, but I'm the way that I'm wired, I'm just continuously looking at improving things. And so I'm doing these exact things of how can I become more efficient with technologies, right? And I mean, that's what tech humans about bringing tech and human science together to create better outcomes, right? And so I'm constantly looking at this. And it's it's mind boggling to me the advancements in technology now that have just happened within the past 12 months, right? Um, it, it's just like, if I'm in that position, like, it's hard for me to fathom, what is it going to look like in three years, five years now, because it's accelerating and changing so fast. But the tools at our disposal are so powerful. 
And the way I like to look at it is like, how can we leverage these to automate things? It scares a lot of people because they're like, oh, it's going to take my job and this and that. But but at the end of the day, like you said, they they want to the doctors want to provide a good service to the people like they are trained and they are passionate about doing something that is not entering stuff into a computer or whatever. Right. So if we can automate those administrative tasks, how much more time and impact can they make to really connect with those patients and really understand and really leverage their strengths to provide a better service. And how can we trickle that through the entire, entire process, right? To bring that value to the end user. So it's exciting. It's very exciting to what you guys are doing and what's going on in the world, because it's all just like a huge opportunity to, to improve things yeah. on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. Some of the things you're talking about, the typing to uh, when we were writing our application that we currently, are currently our providers use a day, every day. We, ca we encounter, we have about maybe 18,000 encounters a week in, in, that we're capturing. Um, and it, it started off, there was some typing involved, you know, and then let's get rid of the typing, let's get rid, put some radio clicks, and then, oh, there are too many buttons, too many, <laughs> you know, you, you got to get rid of the buttons, and now it's back to, there's so many great advancements, um, like you mentioned, about the ambient listening, where you could just bring your iPhone into the, the room with the patient, and you could just start doing your 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 histories and physicals you can do your examinations your enms and as you're doing it it's just listening and it's documenting and and it's putting it in a way that we can actually use the data we can put the, the you know discrete data elements into the right places getting the right cpts and uh, that we need getting the right diagnosis codes and and put it in the place and ultimately still it has to go back to the doctor to confirm and and say this is exactly what i meant but it definitely is getting better and uh, it yeah, requires it way easier to, to go and verify that the information is correct versus having to input it all yourself. And yeah. Right. So, and, and, and a lot of them were going back to their home or back to the stations or to, to finish their notes and they forget some of the things that happened. Mm -hmm. And so um, yeah. there's a lot of benefit uh, that technology is bringing in. Um, not only to the provider and those documentation, but also to the patient, making sure we're capturing everything um, in, a, in a safe and secure way. Um, yeah, and it, so it, it's the way I look at it is like service makes the, the world go round. And if we can leverage these technologies to provide a better service and not miss things, right? Like you said, you know, we forget, right? But if we have this technology there capturing everything, like you're, you're mitigating that risk, right? So that's, it's huge. It, it's exciting times for sure. So, so let's dive into today's topic, uh, technology as the heartbeat of modern healthcare. In this episode, we'll explore the forefront of healthcare IT, examining how emerging technologies and data analytics are revolutionizing healthcare efficiency and decision-making. We'll also discuss the challenges and opportunities in cloud computing and the future of tech development in healthcare. So let's talk a little bit about innovations in healthcare IT. You know, this is an area that um, we come across a lot, right? Our largest client base is healthcare IT. And, and so again, in my background in medicine, this is something that I'm passionate about, right? This human science, I'm, I'm the human science nerd, right? And, and it's exactly why our company is called TechHuman. But um, in relation to these innovations in healthcare IT and what you guys are doing, 
in, in, in what are some of the cutting edge technologies that you're currently focused on implementing? Well, I think one of them I, I, uh, I mentioned, the ambient um, mm-hmm. um, in out taking um, is something that we're exploring right now as well. We, we have multiple different types of notes for the different types of patients in the different types of facilities in which we're serving. When we first started off, we were, we were doing uh, most of our work in our inpatient acute hospital setting. So these are the patients who come into the ER, but then need to be admitted to the hospital because they're gonna stay for a little bit um, in the hospital. And so we're managing their, their lengths of stay. But as we're discharging those patients, hopefully discharging them home, um, we needed to continue to follow up with them. And so we needed to add some additional innovation to what it is we're doing to add new um, tools so that new specialists and new providers can actually follow those patients in their new environments. Um, I I think about that um, ambient is really exciting because now our providers will be able to just, you know, turn on their phone, be able to document, and it'll create an electronic note. From that electronic note, I can get all the the elements that I need um, so that I can, you know, take care of the patient's medical, um, be able to, to do their, their labs, do their, um, do an order for their labs, do an order for their pharmacy or, or get their, um, get their medicine ordered. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do from once I got the data in, uh, 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 discrete data elements that I can play off and riff off of. Um, but I don't know, you, you, you said the word innovation and I keep getting hung up on the word innovation. Because uh, yeah, it's yeah. a, it becomes kind of a it's buzzword. A, innovation. A that's what, word. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what technology is, right? It's constantly innovating. It kind of gets overused. Um, that's the world we're in. We're, you know, let's. I I, I kind of get back to just listening again to the patients and listening to our providers and what it does. That, what who was your real customer and what is it that they need and, um, it's listening and and just trying to identify. If there's a problem there, maybe there's a really quick fix that we can put into place. Our, our team is pretty nimble. We have a team of developers here in Austin, Texas, where we, we, we do it all in-house. And so I think it's really great for our developers that they, they hear an idea, they get feedback from our doctors, they start go to work, they put something into play, they see this innovation come into play in a, within a month, you know, and it's in the doctor's hands helping a patient. So I think um, that's exciting um, for the providers that what they're saying gets um, is, is being heard and that our developers are seeing that the work that they're doing is actually being put into place and, um, you know, they're, they're able to see that pretty quickly. So um, I think innovation is, again, it's, it's such a, a buzzword and I, I'm, I, I think it's a great thing. You know, I, I think uh, as long as we continue to identify problems. Um, in fact, I, I, I like listening to the complainers. <laughs> we have some of our providers who just complain, but man, it's the people who are complaining that are identifying things that, you know what, that, that's fine. There's probably something that we can resolve right there. There's a problem that could be overcome. So let's just dig into yeah, that. Feedback is huge. It's definitely yeah. huge. And it's, I mean, the way, the way I, I perceive innovation and what it means is just basically 
just continuous improvement. It's continuously providing better service and continuously improving however you can and increasing efficiency, all the stuff that we've been talking about, right? It's just driving that change forward, thinking outside of the box of how can you provide a better service for everybody involved and and move the needle in the direction that you want to go to to continue to yeah. improve. Actually move the needle, actually help somebody. There's because there's some innovations that have been done that and that's a great idea and it never gets put into play, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe before it's time, you know, that type of yeah. thing. But uh, but uh, we 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 try to do it little bit by bit. Um, identify an issue, hear a complaint, let's identify it, let's see if we can resolve it get it into some sprints and let's start start pumping out the, the code so that we can uh, get it to, to publish and uh, get into the doctor's hands. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about data and the importance of data and analytics and, and just, you know, data governance, reporting, all of this stuff. You know, in relation to that, like, how, how does your organization really leverage data analytics tools like Power BI to monitor and improve hospital performance? It's funny you mentioned Power BI because we are pretty heavily involved with Power BI. Um, we're a Microsoft shop, so the way we created our our environment and our, our world was, you know, did we want to go down the which development path? Um, we decided to go with Microsoft tools just because of of uh, just the wealth of information that's out there that they provide when it comes from a to a development um, to a developer and from a development standpoint, you know and and they give you a lot of free tools as well at the beginning when you're a startup, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then they get you, you know, you're using their tools and then, you, you know, they, they've got you. But, but um, when it comes to the data and analytics, it, it really became important for our f- providers to understand what it was that they were doing, the levels that they were coding and the diagnosis codes that they were specifically choosing for the days that they are visiting a patient um, because it's what they are putting in is creating a, a, a bundle of diagnosis codes that's going to affect the amount of reimbursement that the hospital is going to get for that particular patient. It's also going to justify his billing and justify his level of, of um, acuity when it comes to billing. And it should, the two should sustain each other you know the, the amount of coding and the amount of documentation that he put should justify the level of coding and billing that he's done um, by getting those two to balance and then showing our providers in real time how they compare not only to their historical coding and how they've done how they compare to other doctors within the same four walls of the hospital um, in real time, showing them how they are building and how they're coding and how their lengths of stay, what their case mix index is, and what their, um, you know, what their clinical outcomes and severity of illness and risk of mortality scores are, uh, compared to the other providers, not only in the hospital but to national benchmarks, allows us to kind of really get the hospitalists or our providers on board to kind of see that what they're doing is important that that little data entry that they might have been complaining about is justifying the hospital's reimbursement it's taking care it's it's taking care of the patient so that they get the resources that they need while they are in the hospital 
the hospital is getting reimbursed, the hospital can continue to remain solvent. Um, and those doctors can then, if they are documenting accurately, it's going to show up in the analytics and it's going to show the value that each one of those providers are providing not only to the, doc, to, to the hospital, but to the team of doctors working together side by side to the consultants and obviously to the patients. Um, and so data analytics is really important. We have um, all of our information being put into to big databases. You know, we've developed our own large language models. We're, we're building AI on top of it. We use Power BI as well on top of it day to day to show how one facility is doing, how each provider is doing within the facility, how they're doing within a payer mix, like how they're doing with their Medicare patients, how they're doing with their commercial patients, how they're doing with certain disease states, you know, how their sepsis patients are doing compared to national benchmarks. And so um, for us, data analytics was, was one of the important byproducts of building the tools and the, um, the, the applications that we wrote for, the, for our doctors um, so that they could, as they're grounding day-to-day, keep track of what it is they're doing, show them you know, the value of what it is they're doing, and then prove that to the hospitals that we're serving to, with, with data that's not anecdotal, you know, sometimes you, you, sometimes doctors say, "Hey, I, I couldn't get the patient out because I was waiting for a certain, I was waiting for a consultant, or, you know, or I was waiting for a lab result." Well, why, are, why are all the other doctors able to, to do it? Why are they able to get, the, you know? Um, so really, it just it kind of creates this big old uh, circle of uh, of information. Tell us exactly what you're doing. It justifies the cost. It quantifies your value. It shows how you are compared to your peers. And then, you know, from there, we can align some incentives and really make it worth your while, not only for you as a provider, but to the hospital as well. If they want to, um, if they want to participate in value-based care, or if they want to partner with ACOs, or if they want to align themselves with a certain payer um, or Medicare Advantage plans. So there's a lot of opportunity there, and it all comes down to what they do day-to-day at the bedside by the patient documenting yeah. those little things. And hopefully, it'll be more automated in, in, with ambient technology well, in the future. It, it will. It will, right? And it, it, it's, right. It, it's, it makes me think about the... It's very much in alignment with what we do in our philosophy is, right? Is that, is that you know, humans are inherently flawed, right? And, and if you look at any professional athlete, they all have coaches, right? And they all have coaches to kind of be a mirror to see themselves because we can't necessarily see within ourselves what we're missing, right? And so what I'm, what's coming up for me as you're saying this is you're really building that technical mirror for these people to kind of see how they can improve and how they can become more efficient and how they can make that bigger impact because we all have cognitive bias baked in and we get into this tunnel vision and we operate in a certain way and it's, it's hard for us to kind of see where we're missing the mark. But that data is so powerful because it gives that insights. And then, like you said, you can measure against your peers and it can give you a source of information like, wait a minute, like, why is this off? What, where do I need to look and what am I missing? Right. And then, boom, you make a shift, you innovate the way that you're operating and then everything is, is incremental improvements. And so it's extremely powerful as, 
you know, as AI develops and all of these technologies continue to get more and more powerful, if we don't have that data, if we don't have clean data and good data governance, we're, this technology is not going to be able to ingest that and you're not going to be able to pull the value out of it. But the fact that you guys are doing this now, it's, it's very powerful because then you're going to be very aligned, right, with leveraging these technologies that bring that value to everybody in the process that's involved, including the end client. And, and we all know insurance companies, right? Like, you know, they're going to try to get out of paying or whatever, right? So if you're incorporating that in it, it just, it's a very well-rounded solution to help in a lot of areas. And with Microsoft being 49% owner of open AI, like, I mean, the power of that is going to be tacked on to in, embedded. It already is embedded into the Microsoft solution. So, so I, I see a huge opportunity there of just continuous improvement and innovation and just more value add for everybody involved as, as time. I like on. how you it's said life. the glass. That that's a really good way to, to or it's a mirror of a, of yeah. you know and looking at a coach. We have a. You reminded me of a story. I was in a, a meeting yesterday with our chief medical officer who was in, um, who goes to our hospitals, multiple hospitals throughout the U.S. And he'll visit and he'll he rolls up his sleeves and he works there along with the other doctors. Um, he left after doing a shift at a hospital for a week and then came back the following week. And one of the things that we do is we put up all those analytics, how the doctors stand up against one another, uh, up on a big screen as they come into their doctor's office. And he was the low guy on the totem pole because he had a pa one particular patient that actually exceeded um, uh, lengths of stay and... and uh, coding and just you know there's always those situations and stuff but having that transparency the other physicians were able to tease him a little bit chief medical officer coming in <laughs> looking at our operation but it builds also a, a trust and a and a camaraderie it builds a a, a a better working environment people know where they stand um you know compared to one another and and these doctors are, are all in it um they're they're in that for the right reasons. I don't think that they don't, you know, complain about technology because, you know, they hate technology. I think that, you know, they, they are wanting to do the right thing by the patient. And um, doing something like that, building something that helps them understand the value and to, to make it fun and also make it um, meaningful is, uh, was one of the things I, I loved hearing that story, you know, hearing how, how they are trusting the data and then they are, um, you know, they're self-correcting. They they're scientists. They, they that's what they want. They want to do the right thing. They see the data. They're going to fix it, not without somebody actually having to. To, it's the coach, like you said. You know, I was going to say it's not a person, but it's the actual technology being that that coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's huge. That's awesome. So let, let's talk a little bit about cloud computing. Um, you know, can you discuss some of the benefits and challenges of utilizing cloud computing for healthcare applications, what you guys do? Yeah, well, well, for us, you know, when we started off the company, it was about 15 years ago, it was all on-prem, you know, you develop everything on site, you have your, your servers and you have your, your network and you manage all of that. And we still do that to, to an extent, but there has been a big push to, to get everything up to the cloud. Um, and it's definitely had its benefits. Um, for sure, we, we pushed as much 
as we could up to the cloud because it actually is less expensive and we don't have to worry about our small network team managing keeping up our network keeping up our servers staying up to date with all the security patches and so just from a practical perspective it's allowed us to be able to focus more on our core business and not actually doing the the day-to-day -day maintenance of, of keeping a tech you know the servers up and running and things and so we started to push everything out there and it, it we are again a microsoft shop but we have our data out in azure um, and um, a lot more services a lot of more things have been pushed out to azure um, the benefits are you know I think uh, one of the things that, that's been meaningful for us as a company is um, we, we really focus on security. Obviously, it's healthcare. We focus on HIPAA standards, and but we actually went through high trust certification to make sure that our environment and our application um, is, is really protected and um, adhering to the highest security standards. And pushing it out to the cloud helped us uh, achieve a lot of those things because of the inherent controls in the Azure environment. So we were able to lever leverage a lot of that and take advantage of that. Um, work with the with somebody that was obviously that understands. Work with the Microsoft understands, and they assigned um, representatives um, and CSRs or to to us so that we can work with them to make sure our environment is high trust certified. And then we work with a third party to attest and confirm all of it was. Um, the yeah, the backups, the disaster recovery, being able to do redundant um, environments, not only in one cloud environment, but to another in a different location or a different region within their environment has been beneficial for us as well without us having to do that. And then I think I joked around with you earlier about, oh, but they're also saying, hey, bring it all back to the ground as well. You know, it's good to have it out there, but you probably should have a lot of backups here locally as well. And so. I think it's definitely a balance of, of pushing everything out um, and bringing it all back and making sure you really understand where your data is at, what they can do for you, what those cloud environments, um, what the benefits are uh, and their limitations. Um, take advantage of those benefits and then um, you know, plug in the gaps and find that balance for you and your organization. Um, for us, it's, uh, it's heavily out in the cloud with a lot of backup and um, just some local services um, brought in in our in our corporate office or in some remote uh, business offices. Well, we have some small you know um, backups there. Otherwise, yeah, just, our applications are in the cloud. Yeah, it's just part of the puzzle, right? Of being able to bring that service and protect data and you know have everything secure and working effectively. And if you know you have an outage, of course you need to get things back up quickly right because you're talking about patient care here and it's a it's a different animal when you're talking about that especially if you're supporting potential surgeons and stuff like that where people could be on an operating table right like all of these things are very unique to the healthcare space and and we totally get that because you know our, our, our clientele is primarily healthcare but uh but it's you know you're dealing with people here so it's it's a little bit more of a sensitive matter right when you come to patient care yeah. and data and all that stuff protection when it came to the patients we from the get-go knew that that's where we we're putting our application it was always going to be in a place with a certain sla guarantee certain uptime guarantees all of that type of stuff with backups 
making sure that that's there. But from our corporate resources, our corporate environment, corporate tools, you know, all of those type of things, we started to push as much as we could out to the cloud a lot for the same reason. In fact, even our phone systems ended up getting pushed out to the cloud and then now phones and telecommunication and all of that is all pretty much managed in the cloud as well. So yeah, nice. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about value-based care. We've talked a little bit, you know, about it today, but you know, in, in your perspective, like how does like from a value-based care perspective, how does it really impact the roles and responsibilities of different healthcare providers throughout your organization? Or could you just shed light on any strategies that are kind of involved in that? Yeah, value-based care, it kind of strikes a chord like the word innovation to me because it's a buzzword in a lot of time, a lot of ways too. You know, you hear everyone should be focusing on value-based care, but how practical and how real is it, you know, when it comes right down to it. Um, um, in a fee-for-service-based world where we have all come from, it's a, specifically in a hospital, it's been tough to participate in value-based care. Um, because truly a, a lot of the incentives for value-based care don't apply in those environments and getting the doctors. Uh, you really need to coordinate the care of a patient amongst all the stakeholders. And I think that's been the biggest um, hurdle. And one of, the, one of the good things about technology, frankly, that has come out that we can provide the bridge of communication and the coordination of care amongst all the different specialists and all the different environments as well. Um, because, you know, for example, we, we um, just um, got approved by CMS to become a, a, a convener of our own um, patients in value-based care. And so we're exploring that and identifying which patient populations will be pop will be participating and we'll we will be going at risk at um in certain environments in certain places and so we're identifying how we're going to handle that and when we defined those patients we need to define what environment are we in who are the other providers involved who are the other consultants who does the hospital have a uh, a long-term care facility or a sniff or a a place where patients can be discharged and still get the appropriate care? Or um, do we develop those networks ourselves? Do we reach out to the primary care physicians around the hospitals and make sure that when we discharge these patients that they actually are going to their primary care physician? And, um, and so what we've done is we've built a, our, our tool to not only identify when a patient is one of those patients that's triggered a bundle that is a bundle that is a, a BPCI or a value-based care case, um, and then be able to follow that patient through their stay at the hospital, communicate with the primary care physician immediately that we have this patient, coordinate care with them, so saying, hey, we think this patient will be discharged in two days. We'll discharge them to home. Um, at that particular point, you know, you, you have seven days. We recommend within seven days maybe a visit or maybe do you have a clinic that you would like them to go to, coordinating that care. But the reason I mention all of that is we're identifying those patients and those places where we can truly um, improve the, 
the value-based care, really be a part of that whole value-based care agenda um, and really go at risk. And we want to make sure that those patients that we've identified get the proper, proper care. And being that we are the initiator of that particular bundle because it happens in a hospital, we have skin in the game. And so we need to dedicate resources, dedicate our technology. We're building more tech, um, capability within our technology to communicate and coordinate care, to not only provide the PCP access to our data, share our data to health information networks and health exchanges, share our data with um, payers that may be involved. Um, you mentioned the insurance companies. Um, and then also um, assign operational teams you know, that are looking at those data and analytics and watching, hey, where's that patient presenting? Where did they go next? Did we follow up with them within a certain time period? Did they get readmitted? Um, can we avoid the readmission? Can we make sure that they go to uh, a clinic instead of being readmitted back into the hospital where it would cause administrative and, um, and it would be something that would be, uh, the hospital will not get reimbursed for that readmission. And so it's, a, it's really an expensive um, proposition for them to have to come back to the hospital. We don't want that. The patient doesn't want that. So we want to do the right thing for the patient. And so technology can, can be there to improve that communication between the providers involved, the specialists, the nurses, and the, the nurse navigators that we have assigned to those patients. The nurse navigators, I like that. Yeah, that's a, we have a nurse navigator um, whose uh, who's sole responsibility is really identifying mm -hmm. those patients. At the time that they are in the hospital, they've triggered a bundle, we want to follow them and we want to make sure that they get the appropriate care. Um, and so um, it's important to us. It's what we've been doing all along, frankly, in the way that our technology has been built um, and the way that our doctors and our providers are incentivized is to understand that they are a part in that. And if, if we're able to save money um, and get some bonuses or get some additional um, reimbursement from CMS, that they're going to take part in that. And so, again, coming back to showing the data, showing how they affected that particular patient or that group of patients and how they can benefit in the upside of it helps us really truly align care for the hospital, to our providers, to us as an organization, and the technology is what, what does that. Yeah, and as you were explaining that, you know, what was coming up for me was, it's the complexity of the industry, right? It, it, you're dealing with people, extremely complex, right? But then you start talking about the healthcare industry, the insurance industry, doctors, all the healthcare providers, all working like together in kind of unison to provide that care the data is so important because it's such a complex, it's so much stuff to process and think about, right? Just the human body alone, just the patient care alone is extremely complex when you talk about the human body, but then you add all these other complex things onto it. And I see that, that the power of this technology is gonna help with all that processing power and insights to really collectively move, move the industry forward. I mean, we've been seeing it happening for years, but I think it's just, it's accelerating and amplifying yeah. everything. It, it'll take some time, obviously, you yeah. know, um, yeah. the, all the providers need to trust one another that getting back to that whole ambient technology, if we're able to share that note that we created 
with ambient technology to the next care coordinator and they feel good about what's been documented, then we might have saved that second doctor from a whole new history in the physical, a whole new exam. Um, he understands what's been prescribed. He understands the, the lab work. We can share all that information and build some efficiencies and that's where you get the value um, and uh, the cost savings and, uh, and the better outcomes for the patients. Absolutely. At, at a cheaper cost right. for them too, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're coming up on, on kind of time here, Merced. So, you know, as I, as we kind of transition out in, in, in this episode, in your opinion, what technology does the world need that doesn't exist yet? Wow. That's a hard one. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, uh, jokingly, I'd probably say, hey, we need teleportation. <laughs> so, you know, that would be a great technology. I would love. It. Yeah, I'm working I would, on it. If somebody's on it. I, uh, I said I say, I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, great. You are. Then I'm, I'm <laughs> with you. We need, yeah. we, need a, that, I, uh, we need to identify and make sure that it's safe for humans. If it's safe, then yeah, <laughs> we can, we'll, uh, we'll take on that technology. Or maybe it's just about teleporting meds or maybe teleporting, you know, but uh, jokingly, uh, I, 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 I joke about that, but I think there's, that's ultimately the goal, like being super efficient about getting um, services or, uh, or, or products or things that people need into the hands as quickly and as efficiently as possible. You know, teleportation is probably not going to be the, be the thing, but uh, um, boy, I think Amazon's uh, got a pretty good uh, step with their drones and the way they're delivering that technology. Maybe there's something there. I've been been having some delays over the last week or so um, uh, <laughs> it might be slipping a little bit maybe those holidays those holidays <laughs> yeah, might be doing yeah. that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah they, but... need to, they need a risk mitigation plan for holiday delays i would imagine but yeah but uh great. yeah i know and, it, and it's you know it's funny you say that um you know as far as i'm concerned like science is proven and einstein and you know, quantum physics and all this stuff has proven that tele teleportation is actually possible, kind of, right? Um, but, uh, but it's, yeah, it's interesting when you start digging into that stuff and you look at the mechanics of reality and quantum physics and um, it, it's, it's interesting stuff for sure. It's, um, it's exciting to, yeah. to constantly be curious and learn and right and, and try to get those things that we don't know, just keep innovating keep yeah. right you know keep uh, being curious and and learning and maybe some of the cool things like teleportation will become a reality someday yeah i'll go ask chat gpt what you know what i need to do to create a teleportation device that's a maybe great question we'll see what it says <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great so yeah so marissa thanks for joining us today and sharing your insights if anyone is listening and truly dedicated to value-based care and enhancing healthcare efficiency I believe, and I, I hope that you understand, like just through this conversation of what HNI Healthcare uh, is doing, that you know they could really be a valuable partnership to explore for for you and your organization. Uh, Merced, can you give us any insights into you know what I just said? Sure. I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to HNI, they can go to our website. It's hnihealthcare.com. We've got a a, a section there that's really there's a learn section that you know you can learn a little bit about us as a company you can learn about our leadership you can learn about some of our case studies and and uh, some of the services that we offer and all the different um 
all the different service lines and they can learn about our technology, they can learn about our people. Um, we're one of those companies that also has that people process and technology kind of trifecta um, goal that you know we believe we're a technology company at the foundation, um, but we have great managers and great um, employees that that have been with us that understand value-based care, that understand healthcare, and um, and work really closely with our hospitals and our patients to 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 provide better health outcomes. So um, so I would say go to go to our website, um, reach out to me anytime via LinkedIn, happy to chat with anyone um, about H&I or about technology or about healthcare. Um, so yeah, th that'd be pretty much it. Appreciate that, Mercedes. So listeners, be sure to check out his work and follow him on social media. Website links and social handles will be in the show description. So finally, from our conversation today, Merced, what is one piece of actionable advice that you want to leave the audience with? Maybe, maybe something for me that I'm kind of still working on. I, for me, it's always I, I'm working on. Uh, it's going to sound the opposite of really focus on what is essential uh, for you and your organization. What is really important, and learn to say no to a lot of things. I have spent a lot of time trying to be a yes man you know, and a lot of things. And sure, we could do that. Sure. We, and I've gone down a lot of rabbit holes and spent a lot of time um, trying to develop something or come up with a solution that may not have been been the best. Um, trust in yourself. Learn to, to, uh, to identify what is truly essential to you and what's important to you. And then um, say yes to the things that are, are really important and essential start small and then start building on that and you'll probably end up with a pretty happy life and a, a pretty good product um, and, uh, and something that's hopefully helping society and uh, making the world a little bit better, better place. It's so important these days. There is so much noise and so much opportunity and so much information coming at us from all directions. So thank you for that, uh, Merced, reinforcing that. Um, you know, and listeners, don't forget to help your fellow tech humans share this podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn at Javier Guetta 360. See you next time on the Tech Human Experience. The Tech Human Experience. 